0: Hello, strangers, and welcome to episode 63 of Strangers in the Cinema. I am one of your co hosts, Paul Anderson, here with my co host, Pete Wall, and producer, Jack Mills. Gentlemen, how are we?
1: Amazing, Paul. Delighted to be back as ever. Yay, we're doing another episode. Jack, how are you, you sexy boy? Oh, I'm good, actually, today. I'm pretty calm. Jack, Jack's sporting a backwards Mario Odyssey cap, I'm assuming, courtesy of you, Paul. Yeah. Uh, Go yes. on the Instagram if you want to have a look at that sexy Yes, picture. you can
0: see, you can see uh, Jack looking like just just like Super Mario, in fact, because uh, Super Mario Odyssey came out this weekend, and Nintendo gave away a three-Mario hat, which doesn't fit me, because I've got a massive head.
1: Did you basically mean because he's little?
0: Uh, yes. and and loves
1: mushrooms yes because he's a child so yes it's true very true well that was an entertaining bit of (laughs) repartee let's carry on with the show Uh, the first section of the show as you guys know by now is called In the Foyer it's where we step into a metaphorical foyer and talk about literal real tangible topics related to the world of film Paul what have you got to talk about this week well
0: I have the news that uh, James mangold uh, director of Logan um, one of uh, our favorites I think so far this year certainly in terms of certainly in terms of major cinematic releases um, is currently in the process of writing a spin-off movie about x23 which is the uh, the girl that Lo- well Logan's daughter in fact or biological genetic daughter uh, in the film Logan um, and that news I'd say is probably about as is good news, I think, for this. Because although I think maybe she works well as a sub-character to Logan, at least if they're going to do a spin-off, at least have James Mangold writing it. So file it as interesting, I think. Pete, what do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, um, I guess it's a bit in vogue now to have sort of a powerful younger female character with Stranger Things being all their age right now maybe there's a bit of a wave there because the character the actress at least is what 14 13
0: I think so yeah, somewhere around yeah. there
1: um, so I'm sure there'll be sort of an inbuilt fan base coming off of Logan and off the fact that we've got this protagonist who's relatable to a younger audience and then there's crossover because Logan that you mentioned already uh, very stabby and aimed actually at quite a grown up audience so yeah. maybe this is this is a recipe for success do you have any idea when that might be a thing no
0: idea I think it's as far as I'm aware he's, he's just confirmed he's going to write it I would assume he's using the same the same actress cuz I think she was fantastic in Logan mm. um I just hope it works out well um, spin-offs, yeah, well, um, generally can be a mixed bag, but at least they've, as I said, at least they've got James Mangold on board, right? And if the tone, um, so, is, tone yes. is something
1: similar to, to Logan, then that's something to be excited about. If the tone about, is similar to Logan,
0: I think it could, I think it could actually work quite well. Um, and I'm all for, I'm all for good superhero films, as we discussed last week with the uh, still rather bloody enjoyable Thor Ragnarok. I want to so, go again, yes. man. I haven't I haven't yes. been again yet,
1: but I really want to. We're going on Friday, I think. Jack,
0: you're going to the cinema? Yes. Wow.
1: I uh, can actually afford it this month, so...
0: Didn't you still owe myself and pizza money, Jack, from somewhere? Yeah, that's true, I it's, do. It's not, so no it's, cinema for you then, way. No it's not me. all popping bottles <laughs> and uh, kissing models over here at Strange <laughs> Cinema,
1: <laughs> scraping together pennies to get to the, get, get the theatre. Um, I've got another topic that I wanted to just jam into the foyer whilst we've got a chance, and that is the fact that I have... Well, I'm actually on the trial period now, but I think I'm going to go forward with um, the subs- film streaming subscription site Mubi, spelled M-U-B-I. I think a lot of people will be familiar with it because it's baked in now to like the PS4 and Xbox One. Oh, is uh, it on there, is it? Yeah, okay, you've got that. the apps on there. You've got an app for at least Android, I would assume for iOS as well. Um, and then obviously the, the online desktop stuff. The thing that attracted me to this is basically, this is a kind of continuation of our conversation about how Amazon Prime had dropped the Prime by Post or Prime by Mail or whatever the hell that was called a service where they'd send out discs, Blu-ray discs, DVD discs of a really wide range of stuff way beyond what's on Netflix streaming or Amazon Prime streaming. Um, but this service, MUBI, is a lot more curated than any of these. Now, Paul, you went with uh, Cinema Paradiso right? Yep. coming off of the discussion that we had before. They're s- seemingly like stepping into the... The, the gap in the market left by Prime, uh, yeah. by mail, that as, service. As you're
0: aware, I'm, I do like my physical media. So. For sure, <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and I may well go that avenue as well at some stage. But for now, I'm trying out Movie. The thing, yeah, the quick sell on this one is that the um, selection of films is limited to 30 at any one time. So it might seem quite small. However, the real um, strong suit here is how curated and sort of hand selected those films are. Every day one film disappears and a new film arrives. So it's like the films are on a conveyor belt. So you actually,
0: rather than, because I mean my my Netflix list is vast. You like add to list, add to list, add to list, add to list, add infinitum essentially. And I find that quite often I never get around to watching the stuff on my list. (laughs) So if I suppose if you know it's going to drop off then there's encouragement. So rather than going, oh I'm in the mood for something throwaway, you might go, no, I have to watch that because that's going. So I like that idea. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. kind
1: of like going into a video store that's very, very boutique, very, very small. But the guy who owns the video store is like really knowledgeable about movies, and he's like, "You need to see this, and you need to see this, and this will sort of benefit you or nourish you." In, so in like if we, if me and you ran a video store, Pete, is basically yeah, what you're getting ve- at. very similar to that. Although, it should be quite exciting. Although <laughs> there, there would be those kind of um, what was it like the House Seven t- trilogy? Tr- like what's Seven Septology or something like that? Yeah, as I think well. you'll find of- only four house films. Oh, okay. Pete. Sorry, Sorry. I, I've yeah. embarrassed myself there. Um, yeah, movie. There um, were seven Saw films. Oh, fair. Yeah. Um, to be recommended, though, I think... Um, and actually, both of my popcorn movies this week are things that I've seen on movies, so I couldn't really recommend it more strongly than that, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I'll keep people posted on a future episode. Maybe I'll talk about this again as to how that's going. But for now, it seems right up my alley, and I think it might appeal to other people who are really into watching a diverse array of films because it's not going to be new releases it's just not so That's I've cool. put
0: my hand up there. I don't don't know why, because none of the listeners can see that at home. But I've put my hand up just because I have a confession to make uh, about movie. Um, I think I've been paying for it for about a year and a half, <laughs> and I haven't used it at all. Well, you've kept the service so, going. Yeah, I've been mean, you know I've, I've kept the service going. I keep seeing it bill in my bank account, going oh I must watch that at some point because oh. I, I like the idea. But <laughs> but now you've explained it to me, you've you've been like, like, like the user manual. It's like you're
1: rubbing um, it in in little Jack Mills face because he's just talked about how he can't get the money together to go <laughs> to the cinema. You're like yeah, I've got a streaming service, don't even use it, mate. <laughs> Just pissing it away
0: because I can. Uh, leave it out. <laughs> uh, that, that brings us, I think, to the end of uh, in in the foyer this week, which was very in depth and I think a very, a very solid discussion on on films in general. Uh, we'll be back after this uh, with our popcorn movies.
1: So. Popcorn movies this week i promised a couple from movie, and i'll kick off with a film called hardcore this is directed by paul schrader that most people will i think know as being the writer of taxi driver um more recently that thing dog eat dog which i still and haven't seen the
0: director seen. of the exorcist the beginning the yes
1: true um yeah hardcore is a film from 1979 and it uh focuses on a character played by george c scott who loses his daughter well say loses his daughter his daughter runs away from home um and he is this midwestern uh church going god-fearing um buttoned down kind of a guy who decides that he needs to uh take sort of the law into his own hands go out to Los Angeles where he's heard that his daughter has gone and find her find what's going on with her and rescue her from the sort of depravity that exists on the west coast. When he goes over there, what he finds is indeed pretty depraved, it's a world of sort of burgeoning. Um Smut shows and and porno films and and sort of back room uh, amateur productions of filth and people peddling filth. And it's interesting that I bumped into this film, Paul, around the same time that I'm watching the film, uh, the film, the series, The Deuce, which is currently showing on on HBO, and you know it's a bit of a, a talking point at the moment. It's is the
0: David Simon. The thing. David Simon yeah. thing,
1: yeah, because obviously that deals with an ish similar period, but on the east coast in New York and Times Square, whereas here we're in LA on the west coast, right? Um. Yeah, the film at times comes across a bit like a sort of public service announcement uh, in, in you know, kind of um, the the dangers of, of the modern world as it existed in the late nineteen seventies, and then maybe also uh, today, uh, in the case of uh, the, the rampant use of pornography that we have, like way beyond anything then, just maybe in a diff- slightly different form. Um, however, it. The direction and the, the sort of pace of the film is generally snappy enough to take you on this sort of noirish, intriguing kind of um, 19, late nineteen seventies better written version of something like Taken, which is essentially what this is, right? Where this George C. Scott character, or eight millimeter or that kind of thing, yeah, it that sounds a bit. I, I always thought eight mm is kind of dreadful, and but it's yeah. a very apt comparison with this okay. film. Um, yeah, the, the guy has to um, really go uh, native, I guess, and put himself into positions that he never in his midwest life could imagine that he would he starts posing as a porno producer so that he can meet actors and then they can give him tips about the girls that they've worked with and one of them might be his daughter and it all gets very seedy Uh, i'm not sure that it has that much to say when all said and done Mm. but as a sort of time capsule of a particular time and place I would recommend Hardcore's 1979 movie that I watched this week Paul what have we got
0: well as it's Halloween uh, well almost Halloween Halloween tomorrow isn't it I believe um, I thought and it's just complete coincidence actually but Charles Play 2 uh, Pete because I know as I said last week I know how much you enjoy me going through these, uh, these oh there's a lot of come listeners yeah, get, get ready um, so this is Charles Play 2 from 1990 directed by John Laffier um it's a sequel to Child's Play, as you might have gathered from the fact it's called Child's Play 2. Uh, Chucky is back in this film. Um, after the events of the first film, the Chucky dolls, I think, have been recalled, or certainly, Chucky has been recalled to the factory. Uh, he's badly damaged and the company who make the Chucky doll decide to rebuild him. Um, it doesn't go well from there, as you can probably imagine, and this proves to be a mistake um, as Chucky once again terrorises the kid from the first film. Um do you know what, Pete? It wasn't that bad. Okay. It wasn't that bad. Well, there that are... is a
1: glowing recommendation, are... listeners. Well, are... <laughs> Get yourself to the shops and pick up a copy, because it is not that bad.
0: No, I mean... It, it's Better than
1: the first one? No,
0: it's it's not as good as the first one. It kind of... it. Well, it loses an atmosphere, because the first one has some genuinely creepy moments, as I think I said last week, and, and I, I do rate it quite highly. What it loses in creepy moments, it kind of makes up for an over-the-top, silly, gory action scenes. So it's still quite good fun, if different to the original. Um, there are a lot worse horror sequels out there, um, one of which we'll probably come to in the feature review in fairness. Maybe. Um, and yeah, it's actually it's although not scary, it is still quite
1: a lot of fun. Is it? Um, I have a question about um, Charles Play because I confess I don't know. It doesn't matter, but I haven't seen any of them, none okay. of them. Bride of Chucky, nothing. But is it just at Bride of Chucky that Jennifer Tilly comes in? Yes because that's been my only sort of point of interest, because Jennifer Tilly just makes me go a little bit funny, I think. Yeah. So, like, when she was involved, but it, that's that's a voice, presumably. Uh, basically,
0: yeah. so um, Child's Play 3 is up next, which I, if I remember rightly, is awful, although I will there. Uh, I'll let you know next week. And then you have, um, I think, director Ronnie Yu comes on board, and they kind of reboot them as horror comedies. So then you have, um, I think it's Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky right. um, are the two, like... Horror is there comedies. One? There is, and then there's two more. Right, okay. There's two more after that. There is, um, maybe Seed of Chucky, I'm getting the titles confused now. Then there's Cult of Chucky and Something Else of Chucky, which are the two new ones, which they rebooted it again and took it more back to the, the horror roots, which actually, from what I've seen of one of the two new ones, it's getting confusing now, are actually not too bad either. So, um, yes. And then, and then Are you confused now? Because I am. I'm yeah. lost. There, there's there's yeah, a lot of Chucky films, yes. Yeah. There's one just come out, which is why I bought the box set, which is why I'm rewatching them so I can watch the new one, which is 2017's Cult of Chucky. So I'm rewatching the previous seven before I get to number eight
1: that's correct I, I might just re-watch Bound and just swerve the entire thing
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah that's my popcorn movie and a very very bad explanation of the Chucky series of films so yes moving on Pete what have so, you got next
1: second for me uh, this week is a film called La Belle Personne or The Beautiful Person directed by Christophe Honneur it's a French film from 2008 which again went. Uh, I got through the movie service that I mentioned earlier on this one um, stars the very beautiful person that is Lea Seydoux um, Lea Seydoux has recently been in one of the Bond films, right, a couple of years ago. Uh as a, a Bond Specter. Yes. Bongo, yeah, Spectre. Yeah. And um she was obviously came to prominence in, in that movie uh Blue is the Warmest Colour, which I still haven't seen and I've intended to see for the longest time. Um so uh, yeah, she, she's in that this is it this is one of those films that um th- I find it quite galling when people sort of write off whole sub-genres of film as if they've sort of seen a lot of films when really they saw like two. It's going to sound like I'm doing that but this is the Frenchest of French high school films because everything in this film is kind of People who are maybe actors slightly above this age, but people who are acting sixteen and seventeen years old, but spend their entire time reciting passages of like philosophy and poetry and sort of looking into the middle distance and looking sort of brooding. And of course, at the centre of all that is going to be the actor Louis Garrel, because if anyone knows anything about, I thought him, you were talking about Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah, <'cause, laughs> he's kind of Dawson's Creek, but just with a lot more style okay, and like better yeah, poets, yeah. right? but um, yeah if you've seen sort of French film over the last 15 years you can't have missed Louis Garel he's like this kind of sunken cheeked pale ghost like man boy um, sort of dark dark locks I'm confident I know who you mean sunken eyes yeah you've seen him because every time Louis Garel's there he's either like having sex with uh, a friend a family member sometimes um, I think there's an Isabella Pair film where he, maybe that, that's his mother uh, I want to say my mare possibly um, yeah he's always involved in some kind of deep mysterious um, brooding sexual relationship but he never exudes anything for me that comes close to actual sexuality even in, in uh, Bertolucci's The Dreamers right he's the guy in that
0: okay, um, that's right with Ava yeah. Green yeah
1: he, It's all in the stairs. It's all in the way he's holding his novel. It's all in the way he's leaning in a doorway. Um, In this film, to to sum things up, he and Leah Sadu are in a sort of doomed relationship. She arrives at the school at which he's a teacher although about two years older than her which is odd um arrives at the school she's lost her mother recently her mother passed away he's interested in her and basically thinks he can have the pick of all the students because that's sort of his game at that point in time uh this causes all kinds of problems not least because leah sidu starts dating a student as you might expect from a student um and everything ends up being quite doomed for a number of the central players. Um, I believe this is based on a novel from the mid 19th century. Correct me if you care. Um, <laughs> it for me, I enjoy the company of some of these actors, um, not least Leah sadu and obviously um, I intend to watch a lot more of her stuff. However, it i feel like i'm saying the same as i said about hardcore a little bit but it doesn't add up to too much if you've seen films of this ilk it's not going to surprise you and it seems so literary and so tied to the the sort of machinations of the mind of a person in so la- what would you say later later said of this
0: then, would you say if you if you
1: uh in terms of uh, hi that's you've put me on the spot yeah <laughs> in terms of uh like french broody romancy stuff uh I don't know. For some reason, like Spanish films come to mind, like Etu Mama Tambien and stuff like that, come to mind, where where there's a bit more like life, like a bit more vivacity, rather than just doom and gloom. I mean, Lea Seydoux, for all that she is, this beautiful siren in this film, rarely raises even like a half smile. Okay. Like it's miserabilist in the extreme for all the beauty that sort of pervades. Um, Yeah. Not for everyone, not a bad film. That one's called The Beautiful Person from 2008 and it's available now. Paul, what have you got? Uh,
0: I've got um, a film that I managed to catch on the plane, um, which is not where I'd normally watch a film of this nature, but this is how good the flight sele- the film selection was on Emirates, and I will maintain that that was incredible. Um, this is Modern Times from 1936, directed by uh, Charlie Chaplin, uh, and starring, in fact, Charlie Chaplin. Um, I have to say, I don't think I've watched a Charlie Chaplin film since possibly Media Studies... At A level and maybe a little bit of film studies a few years later at university. So it was quite nice to get reacquainted um, with a man who was, to be frank, a master of his craft. Um, and what's great and possibly slightly scary about Modern Times is, uh, it, you know, it's it, most you, you, you're likely to have seen it where he's basically is basically it's called Modern Times because he's going out to work and he's winning the heart of his girlfriend and you know basically living a life that he would lead, working in a factory and, and this kind of thing. And what's great is it's still so relevant today with like the comedy he goes through about him getting to work on time and these kind of and it's yeah, the relationship he's building um and it's just it's just incredible incredible to watch him work i i think it's it's i think it's quite easy to kind of write off the the silent clowns as as dated as somewhat dated um and to an extent i i kind of get that um but then you look. But then you look at what the kind of I would say, even look at the Jackass guys and look at some of the stuff they do. Like that a lot of that will hark back to to Chaplin. And in terms of, I would say anything that kind of, anything that Johnny Depp does at, at his peak when he's kind of wobbling around as Jack Sparrow and and it's sort of and most physical performances, certainly most physical comedy comedy performances, owe a lot to the work. Certainly, owe, owe a lot to the work of Charlie Chaplin. So it was. Um, it was a pleasure to get reacquainted, to be honest. And if you haven't seen it for a while, I, I suggest you do so. So that was great, and I will be—I think I'll be reassessing. Um a lot more of his work in the near future, I think. So that was um, well, if you can fit them in
1: between the seventy-four Chucky films that you've got to get again, <laughs> well, that's, that's very true. Yes, that, that's go, very go, true. Yes. Sort of yeah, put so them it. back to back. Chaplin with Chucky, Chaplin with Chucky. I like that. What are you, uh, are you
0: pointing at? The Chucky, <laughs> the Chucky, Chucky seven, seven, seven movie, movie collection. So there was only six Chucky movies before the new one. So I got that wrong. But anyway, No Modern Times was fantastic. I very much enjoyed it. And if you haven't seen it for a while, I suggest you both uh, both check it out.
1: So um, we've yes. got one more thing to get to before we bounce out of this section, haven't we, Paul? Which is, uh, last week, we set a, a new sort of section. It's basically homework, but we've given it the title, Have You Seen? Uh, and the film that came up for Have You Seen is uh, a film called Letter from an Unknown Woman from 1948. So
0: just to explain the rules of this section again, yep. um, we're not going to do... We'll explain the rules every week. So basically, we flick through David's... That many rules, really. <laughs> we basically flick through David Thompson's book, Have You Seen? Uh, and someone says, stop. And then whatever film we stop on is the film that the three not of us watched. watch are yeah it's discuss. collective homework it's but, a yeah. bit
1: more interactive and it gets us having a conversation each week the, the conversation this time as i say letter from an unknown woman 1948 this is directed by max uh Urfals, or offals offals that's of- not right no, no. <laughs> probably not let's go with that yeah. max offals <laughs> <laughs> the director of this movie yeah uh somebody want to set it up shall i set it up um we don't need to get into too much detail on plotting.
0: You can set it up. Yeah, you set it up. You're okay. You're better than us so, at that. So. We,
1: we've basically got a story that opens with um, a kind of framing device where a guy is reading a letter. That letter is from the uh, titular Unknown Woman. Um, telling him all about the way that she's loved him for so much of her life and his life um and the ways in which he's had an impact on her we then pull in or back into the story of this woman's life and her obsession with that man the actress here is uh joan fontaine playing in the beginning of the film like a 70 16 17 year old when she was about 31 yes. i think when they made this movie uh, which is a bit odd at the beginning, but you can understand why that choice is made because she then has to play, you know, sequentially older versions of that character. Yeah, so it character. flashes
0: forward through time as, as yeah. her character
1: gets older, yeah. A character ages and his character ages. Um, these two people meet, then they part, then they meet again. Um, he seems to be something of a Lothario, bit of a silver tongue devil. I mean,
0: he's like a classic musician, isn't he? I think he's, he's some, pianist. something of a celebrity, yeah, it's, I think. It's yeah.
1: his piano playing that sort of beguiles her at the beginning of the film. She I said, like that,
0: Jack. Jack just did uh, an air piano there, just a little bit with <laughs> great, his, backwards Mario, his backwards Mario cap on. It looked, uh, looked good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think even there's there's a line at some point earlier in the film where she says, "It seems like in your playing, you can't quite get what you want," which turns out to be quite a, a significant line as the film plays out. And it's in fact maybe that he didn't realise what he had before he lost it. Um, th- I like this quite a lot. And I'm I'm quite pleased that we picked it at random because it's the kind of film that I probably never would have, you know, found off my own steam unless someone had sort of forced it on me. What about you guys? Uh, Jack, you
0: weighed in on this one. What did you think?
1: Um, I thought it was a fantastic film, actually. Um, Considering, you know, it's 1948, um, which obviously is a long time ago. Um, Black and white. The story was, um, it fascinated me really to the extent of how it worked, how she was sort of obsessed with this man. And then it suddenly came about that she was, she got with him and all that sort of stuff. And it was just, it was nice to watch because it wasn't a straightforward love story. There was a lot of sort of prang around it and a lot of different things came about before it actually came to. Well, yeah, I mean, we should say that the the uh, Joan Fontaine character actually ends up marrying somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but
0: fathering this guy's child. Fathering this yeah. guy's
1: child Unbeknownst to him, and then later, when he comes back into her orbit she 's very quick to sort of be ready sort of bin off her husband yeah, to, yeah. To, to try to get with this guy but you you realize I think in, in some like beautifully staged and written scenes that the guy is just a bit of a, a a hollow husk of a man for all his apparent early musical talent that he exhibits in the early parts of the film and then sort of throws away later in the film he seems so empty to me as a character because everything is surface and everything is words and everything is seduction but nothing is value like has value to him nothing is held over time and when he's he only has lost later when it's so irredeemably lost that yeah he's, that he's just yeah. left with regret for the rest of his days i suppose is, is what we're left with and It's is quite quite a sort of it's quite sad and quite moving and quite powerful last few sequences in this film I
0: think. yeah no I, I i would agree with that and i I really enjoyed it myself i think it's it's actually um i would say an era of hollywood and film that i'm not hugely familiar with and haven't seen a lot of films from that from that period of time so it was nice to catch up with this one um it's a director that i have heard about and i thought i'd seen some of his other films and it turns out i haven't um I just thought it was it was impeccably well shot and the performances were fantastic as well so um I think I described it in letterboxd as a, as a thoroughly classy affair Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And and even a a nineteen forties VFX shot, right? Oh, oh, that was incredible. Towards the end of the the fading woman. It it, it, it was really powerful. But it made me think, Paul, because we've talked about this in in sort of recent reviews and when we talk about action films and stuff, like when CGI gets overused. Like, think about something like Geostorm. I know this is a ridiculous comparison. (laughs) But like in Geostorm, we were talking with with Mark Brennan last week about the way in which like they went nuts with all these kind of cheap-looking special effects. And then in this film you've got this one delicate sort of sort of of romantic and and longing and sort of sad shot used so sparingly obviously because that was what was available then sure but it it Packs a punch when you don't overemphasize everything, yeah. right? And I think that's something that we've lost in a lot of modern filmmaking, really subtlety and, and nuance and, and small details. And that's something I really enjoy about watching films from this era. I, I think is
0: it? no, I, I, I would I would agree with that. And there's that really there's a very nice scene where they're on the well supposedly on the train where they're taken oh, all the beautiful. different countries and the different backdrops are put behind the behind the train thing and there yeah. are actually on a fake train aren't there Yeah but it's, like, the train, it's but it's like it's like a little so, attraction so for, done,
1: yeah. it's like for date night you yeah. can go and sit in a little carriage and there's a man peddling a bicycle yeah. and he changes <laughs> the scenes that roll behind you so you are oh we're in Switzerland now and yeah. she says what what mountain is that there and he says you know that's the Matterhorn or whatever it is yeah. and then he starts describing that area like, oh beautiful just just a romance in the filmmaking that that is so sort of yeah d- difficult to find these days I think. Yeah agreed
0: so no I I loved it so
1: um, So for the final time yeah that one is letter from an unknown woman um, from 1948 directed by Maxi Ophuls uh, Max Ophuls <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: right shall we do the uh, shall we do the honours are we picking the next film now or are we doing it at the end How maybe we keep it the this? end uh, and we'll we'll crack on with the show and okay. then we'll Let's we'll come just back do that then. right so we'll have a little break and we'll be back with our feature reviews no we're not So you may have heard me say, no, we're not there. <laughs> um, which basically refers to the fact that we're not back with feature reviews, we're actually back with coming attractions, so apologies for that, <laughs> apologies for that gaff on my behalf. Um, coming attractions, can I jump in first, Pete? Is yeah, that, go ahead. okay? Um, this is a film I was actually quite excited about, because I, well, I thought it was in a minority, but to mention Mark again, Mark also said last week that he was a fan of Pacific Rim, uh, much like myself, so I thought, yes, there's a sequel, uh, and now I've seen the trailer, Um, Has anyone else seen the Pacific Rim Uprising trailer yet?
1: I have not seen it
0: now. I'm not impressed. Okay. Um, I don't know why I've brought it up. It's supposed to be a film that we're excited about coming up. But anyway. (laughs) Is is,
1: is Charlie Hunnam still involved? No. Uh, We've got got John Boyega.
0: The Baba Yeager. Uh, The Baba Yeager's in in this. John Boyega. Um, It just looks really, really cheaply done. uh, And it just looks a bit like the Power Rangers film, to be perfectly honest. I'm not entirely sure what direction they thought they were going in. Um, who's helming this uh, effort uh, it's it's changed director I honestly don't know I can find out keep keep Um, talking is the honest answer to that I think del Toro's on production duties Um, some of the original cast has returned Um, Charlie Day's in there Um,
1: Is is he doing something zany uh, yes, yes, yeah, he's the
0: zany, He's the same zany Doctor character, I believe. John Boyega plays a relative of Idris Elba's character from the first film, uh, Stacker Pentecost, one of the best named characters in the history yeah. of the film. Uh, but yeah, I'm not not convinced with the direction they seem to have taken this. Talk,
1: talking of direction, Paul
0: uh, Stephen S. DeKnight is the <laughs> Stephen S. Okay, he's possibly the showrunner for Daredevil. Spartacus. Spart- yeah, he also is the showrunner for Daredevil, I think as well. I've got a feeling. Okay, that could be interesting, because I think Daredevil was a, was a good series. But Directed yeah. one
1: episode of Daredevil as well, right, so okay. his, his directing resume is, is limited. Dollhouse, an episode, Smallville, all right. TV stuff, okay. Angel. So this is his his chance as, as sort this of should a should be interesting. I'm not convinced film. by the
0: trailer. I mean, check out the trailer for yourselves, guys, and, and let me know if you agree, but I'm not sold on it. Um, Pete, what have you got as your coming attraction?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to go with A Bad Mum's Christmas, but I don't think I can do it with a straight face. Um, <laughs> I, I love Catherine Hahn, but even my love doesn't stretch maybe quite that far. Um, I'm going to go instead for something that's got a bit of buzz and I don't think we talked about so far, which is the killing of a sacred deer. Did we cover this? We did. I think we did cover. Okay. Well, that. I'll just I'll just co-sign on the recommendation. I, I say recommendation. Yorgos Lanthimos is the director of this film, uh, which has garnered a whole load of uh, festival praise and, and picked up some awards. Well, it's out now, isn't it? I'm I sure. It's November third here. over Okay. Well, that's what the date I've got in front of me. Um, y- yes. So. He's the director, uh, or the director last time out of The Lobster, which I've got to admit, I didn't love. Okay, so I, I did. But... I came to him through Dogtooth, which I think is phenomenally good. Um, it hits so many sort of buttons for me because it's about language and, you know, I'm an English teacher and, and it's about... Uh, yeah, captivity and growing and learning, and like all these things that were really intriguing to me. Whereas I found that the lobster was interesting and sort of admirable as an experiment, but as a piece of sort of strange narrative just didn't really work in the same way Um, but I'm excited for this because he's an interesting filmmaker he's back uh, paired with Colin Farrell who was obviously in The Lobster Nicole Kidman's here she's doing amazing work I think like one of the best periods in her entire career I would agree uh, with that yeah I think
0: she's come back she's come back very strong hasn't she Um, From from and uh, yeah and
1: others besides so we haven't got long to wait yeah November 3rd I think is the release date I mean whether we're going to get it here or not no we're not I've
0: already already been let down on that one but
1: if we don't Paul (laughs) we can all get along to a bad mum's Christmas so it's not all bad that's
0: very true, yes, yes. Uh, we'll be back after this with our feature reviews.
1: Features, Paul. Features for this week: exciting, contrasting, weird, slightly disappointing. <laughs> Pick your description. Um, contrasting. I, th- I think we're gonna go the death of Stalin first. I thought we were gonna do Jigsaw. We'll first, go for jigsaw first, we'll do jigsaw first. Jigsaw Paul. first.
0: Um, yeah. So Jigsaw and Death of Stalin this week, which we didn't mention in the beginning. So apologies, guys. Um, yes, Jigsaw directed by the Spearig brothers. Am I pronouncing that right? Was, was that? Yeah. Is that, that good enough for you, Pete? I know that's
1: that's a, that. I don't care about these guys too much, but yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Uh, tagline, a new game begins. The Spirit Brothers are on board. Uh, this is the franchise that many of you will know uh, was launched by a, a little fresh-faced man called James Wan who made a short film. The short film showed this kind of inverse bear trap thing. It seemed kind of cool and torturing, and people took an interest and gave him some cash. He made the film sore a lot to do with the fact that he got Carrie Elwes involved and that got some eyeballs on it. Leigh Whannell was one of the writers, so they cut costs, I suppose, on a fairly limited basis. Budget for that first film, uh, then we got six sequels up to Saw Seven. Yeah, right. Was the last before so this that one? Makes Jigsaw Saw Eight. 10 That's things. right. Yeah. Jigsaw is Saw Eight, and it comes fully what ten years later? Possibly thirteen. Yeah, it's 13, longer than ten 13 years. years yeah. right. I think it might be thirteen years now since. Ten it years is just years. a thing that they play on in the plot, rather than yeah. yeah. Um, so this one comes along. We see the trailers. It seemed to me like this was going to be more self-aware, kind of funnier, poking fun at itself, not taking itself too seriously. And I thought maybe that's a good way to go. And maybe I'm back on board with a series that I was I would kind of defend to a decent degree up until about Saw three. Yeah. Um, When they get rid of Jigsaw, yeah. (laughs) We'll get all into our thoughts about the Jigsaw franchise and this film, um, or the Saw franchise, as I say, in this film, right after this clip to give you an idea of what you've missed out on if you haven't seen it. No, 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 no. Help! Help!
0: I'm sure you're all wondering why you're here. You deny culpability, no doubt, for the circumstances in which you find yourselves. Salvation can be yours. An offering of blood that will set you free. I want to play a game. So yeah, that gives you a bit of a taste of the fact that um, that John Kramer is back uh, as Jigsaw in this film. Um... Pete I'm I'm with you to be honest I kind of thought if they're bringing it back after this long um, after the series went so badly wrong I would say again after Saw 3 when they get rid of Jigsaw and replace him with Hoffman Mm. the worst fucking villain in probably any series of films ever I thought yeah maybe this is the time to get back on track I was thinking okay maybe they go down like the uh, where's Craven's new nightmare route where they get a bit postmodern and it becomes self-referential or like the scream route, or you know that that kind of thing, where they where they play around with a formula and make it quite a clever, you know, a send up of itself. Have you know have a saw film that takes the piss out of how silly and how you know about how silly the, the series has got. Um, this though, Pete, isn't that at all. No it
1: isn't, <laughs> it, it isn't and it, it, you know we started to talk about films that seem like they've been missold, I feel like this was slightly missold and that sounds ridiculous for a film that's you know seven films already deep into a franchise that you you know by this point you know what you're getting but I really did get the sense that the the, the marketing campaign here well, was Why intended... bring it back?
0: Like I don't understand why they would bring it back if they're not going to do anything, anything different, right? different Yeah I mean there
1: is one reason and you know it well, and yes, I know you it imagine. and everyone knows it, it yeah. makes money these films have been making money throughout their life until right in the death throes at which point you know cut their losses and what came along of course was Paranormal Activity and took that October slot because it was for a while yeah, it's
0: even cheaper to make Paranormal Activity than it's right. than saw, though. So. and
1: again I mean a similar trajectory <laughs> because we have Paranormal Activity uh, Paranormal Activity that comes from this uh, the, the, I forget the names of the creator of that film but Oren, like,
0: Oren Pelley I think right
1: so. they were a couple originally who basically had a video camera and made it home yep. for nothing like a d- d- couple of thousand dollars I think it was mm. minimal um, a little bit like the origin story of, of James Wan's Saw series but yeah, I mean, we've been through multiple directors. It was James Wan, then it was that Darren Lynn Bousman guy, and yeah. a few of those were all right. I think Saw Two might be my favourite because okay, it was kind of tricky. But, saw Paul, let's, me, but yes. let's get back onto Jigsaw. My problem with what we're talking about, all this background, is that what this film did was basically just, like, make a collage of a load of stuff out of other Saw films. So if you've seen all of those you kind of felt like wh- why am i what am i doing what, yeah, what am i doing here what's here for me
0: this, the, the gore isn't really there it's it, i'd say it's tamer than uh, a lot of the other films so that you know gore fans although there there is some gore here the gore is unfortunately of the crap cgi nature which actually quite a lot of the later saw films were where's, guilty of where's
1: girl in pit of needles Paul?
0: yeah yeah you know the, the i would say a lot of the creativity's gone out of some of the games that jigsaw plays like you know L- love or hate the early saw films some of the killings are grim and actually quite cleverly constructed and and, and like you're um, absolutely
1: right um, if you've seen Saw movies there's a standoff that happens with Tobin Bell's character later in the film where he says a particular line I am not going to spoil anything yeah. he says a particular line and he sets up two characters and they're in a kind of duely kind of situation and we know these situations and one person might die they both might die or who knows um, but the way that he phrases what he says, you say, well, I know, I know what that means. Yeah. I know what that means. So can we just get to the point where they find, oh, yeah, that word that you used conveniently in your sentence yeah. refers to the thing that that's now on the floor. Yeah, you? so I
0: think, you know, the, the, the gore was tame. The killings weren't particularly creative. Um, so those, those are the two things that kind of draw, draw people to the Saw films in the first place. It's nice to have um, Tobin Bell back as Jigsaw. But Don't the guy is, wrong, like but phoning it in. Yeah, exactly. No, mean, but it, at least, at least he's back in some capacity. It's paid. Then they have a plot twist that, if you've seen, I think Final Destination Five, and it's painfully obvious, painfully obvious what's going on. If in, you've in seen terms the Saw the franchise, twist, yeah.
1: every beat is it's, predictable. It's not difficult
0: thing. to work out to work out what's going on. You've got the bizarre. You've got the bizarre tattooed redhead who is just oh, she's Jigsaw's biggest fan, and somehow has got a warehouse full of all his killing contraptions you're like the, where the hell has she got the money those from? dude like we gotta yeah, think yeah, where about this has she got those from not mate?
1: only her where has he got all the money from yeah. where i get it he's supposed to be this like angel of death this is what we've built up right like the digital character is this angel of death over all these eight films and what he's basically doing is going like you've wasted your life or you've acted in the wrong way and i don't get as much life because i'm dying the brain tumor we've been through all that so therefore instead of finding like an economical way to show you the error of your ways and actually fix society I'm going to fucking waste my time and loads of money making the most intricate traps that would only work if a series of contrived events happen in a particular order. It's like this Rube Goldberg machine that if someone just says a different thing or walks through a different door or does a slightly different thing, like the next three events don't happen.
0: And there's so many moments in this film where you think, okay, so we're supposed to believe that in, in this... Uni- well, I suppose not, but... <laughs> Just again, stupid horror film characters where you like, there's certain, there's certain points where they go into the bit with the room for the, the room that fills up with grain. You're like, why have you both walked into a chimney that's the door's obviously gonna lock behind you? Like, I did enjoy when doing? they just started throwing random blades. The random was just blades. Like, the random was blades. Just How does the random but, blades yeah. even work? Yeah. What's that on? Is it yeah. on a net? No, Is I, it on a mesh? How do they yeah. do the blades? Is just there just a guy they, up there throwing blades? Just all knows? these stupid, preposterous machines, which again, like, the, the probably the first couple of Saw films. The 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 things that the traps he made were believable. Like you could believe someone could have built them. And I mean, towards the end of this film, you've got this you've got this net with like seventy five high 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 powered laser cutters on that's supposed to slice someone's head into different bits. You're like, where the fuck does he build this stuff? He's not Bruce Wayne. Like it's just so stupid. And the film just does, as you say, does nothing different. All it does, it does what the other films do but worse. And by the end of like Saw 7, trust me, the Saw films are doing what they did badly anyway. So to them to make the, we know why they made it. We've said they made it because of money, but it's pointless. It's a waste of your time. Don't bother. Can
1: I tell you what made me happy about Jigsaw Paul? Just to finish off on a slightly more positive note. Yes, you're right. (laughs) But it made me smile because I want to give shouts out to a couple of my friends uh, from when I was about 19 years old, maybe Uh, university, maybe a little older than that. Around the release of... We could have been up to two or three. I'm not sure how this exactly correlates. They did... For my birthday, a Saw themed interactive experience, including videotaping the uh, little model on the tricycle, which was one of my friends with face paint on, including attaching tape recorders on strings to the ceiling, a bit where I had to go downstairs and look through post boxes. It's like the most I've ever felt people cared about my birthday was all around this franchise. So I have love for Saw, and I wish they'd done something better with it.
0: Is this just because your birthday is coming up? Are you expecting something big from me? and Jack now well, and Lucifer, I don't want to put the pressure on
1: but you know unless... we're going we're
0: gonna to have to recreate that train scene from um, the letter from an unknown woman aren't we for you where we take, <laughs> we take you on dates you know, like a three way dinner with little backgrounds on the train that's what you're expecting I think so I, I yeah, am yeah. absolutely <laughs> expecting
1: that now so can you sort that out Jack Jack can do the peddling yes. uh, you can uh, oh you can take the little tokens I can come pay you and yeah. I want to get new yeah. scenes thrown out there yeah. lovely stuff Um, yeah well we're going to come back calm down and come back in just a moment with our review of Death of Stalin
0: so back indeed we are um, so this is uh, Amanda Ianucci's uh, death of Stalin. Um, so this, I'll give this, I'll give a go, I'll give it a go setting this up even though I'm normally terrible at this so cut me off if I'm doing a bad job. You feel, um, I feel like you're already falling over your words. Yeah I am, yes, yeah completely yeah. So this is basically um, the, uh, well the film centred around the event, around the death of Stalin so it's, um, it's a comedy, I'd say it's a farcical comedy based around real life historical events about the power struggle between the ruling Communist Party in Russia after Stalin passes away. Um, I think that probably sets the and, scene, and just before yeah, Stalin just before Stalin passes away there, as well. Yes.
1: Yeah, we've got like a, an opening an amazing opening scene with Paddy Considine yes. and, a, and a, a orchestra playing a tune that has then got to be delivered on vinyl, but they've forgotten to record it, and so everybody's going to be shot in the face. Uh, yeah, on the on the uh, the behest of, of Stalin himself. So yeah, we've got a little bit of before, and then we've got lots of after, and lots of power struggles. Yes, as and you lots mentioned, of Paul.
0: lots of scheming and uh, conniving characters on board, and. and, um, and who have we got leading the cast on this one Pete
1: well I was just going to say before that um, Armando Iannucci for people who don't know is very well known in the UK and somewhat I think in, in the US because of In The Loop which and was, Veep as well which and, is, and, and yeah working yeah. on Veep with uh, uh, Louis Dreyfus and I've forgotten her first name thank you carry on uh Julia Julia Louis-Dreyfus yes got there um yes and before that working in the UK on The Thick of It which is a political satire about Westminster politics and his own Armando Iannucci show which contains one of my favorite lines of all time which is in the modern world there are only two things that can make you truly happy removing the cellophane from a freshly bought CD and seeing other people fail that's the kind of comedy like territory that we're in with Iannucci um we should probably play a clip
0: I think we should yes Jack Shoot her before him, but make sure he sees it. Kill him, dump him in the pulpit. And I'll leave the rest up to you. We have to act! I really need your help. I'm gonna have to report this conversation, threatening to do harm or obstruct any member of the Presidium in the process of looking at your fucking face. (laughs) I took Germany. I think I can take a flesh lump in a waistcoat so yeah you can probably set, hear, uh, set well that certainly sets the tone um, it's a very funny film for the most part and we it, got I didn't got, hear that
1: clip and you did but we got a bit of Jason Isaacs we got a bit, bit of Jason Isaacs
0: so we've got who have we got in this Pete we've got Steve Buscemi Jason Isaacs uh,
1: Jeffrey Tambor Jeffrey Tambor that people will know from Arrested Development yeah. if, if not elsewhere uh, Simon Russell Beale who is uh, an actor that I, I'm sure I've seen in many things but it was just fantastic in this like frightening he's the guy that you heard in the clip talking about who should be shot and how yes. they should sh- be shot and who should watch and that kind of stuff um oh Paul Whitehouse and uh, Olga Kirillenko yep. is the the Pianist yeah that's correct
0: yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Penny Constantine so it's it's a it's an all-star cast I would say um for me, Pete, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a very entertaining farce, shall we say? Um, and that's not a, a lot of. I think farce can be kind of misconstrued as an insult to a film, and in this case, it's certainly not. It's definitely a farcical comedy um, that reminded me a lot of ways, Pete, in some of the sort of classic Ealing comedies, in the way like the kind of snipey banter between the characters and the scheming, kind of like kind hearts and coronets, kind of you know that kind of. Um, that, that kind of feel about it I yeah, know what, what absolutely you Paul about? and
1: I think that this is, there's absolutely no mistake or accident in Armando Inucci releasing this work now um for just the, again I feel like I'm being patronizing but to fill people in I've heard some comments where people have said this is sort of disrespectful to the period because it's as if you're laughing at that what are we going to have next a sort of Hitler comedy or something like mm. that. no you've completely missed the point would, yeah. Armando Inucci is a very serious very um intelligent writer uh, primarily and and filmmaker and director and he knows that we're living in a climate right now that is prime for ridicule uh, for one but he's also very very scary Um, and I think that this film actually does a very good job of capturing both ends of that spectrum without sort of alienating the audience at least the screening that I was in and you know what you've said Um, there are parts here that are not silly or whimsical or no. funny. They're actually horrible and terrifying. Um, and as they,
0: as they need to be. As, as they, they absolutely yeah. need to be. Yeah. And you're,
1: you're left in that space for just enough time for that to register before there is some levity. There is like a great line, some sort of throwaway, a bit of like a, a mannerism or a, like a bit of physical comedy that then takes you into this other territory, which is this sort of biting satire about how powerful men... Predominantly, let's be honest. In this case, yeah. powerful men are inherently ridiculous, yeah. and I think that that is a a target that is very much shooting up, not shooting down. And I think Armando Iannucci is one of the very best writers when it comes to doing that in a sort of articulate and intelligent way. So, yeah, I, that's all to say, I like this film quite a lot. Yeah, really. I
0: think um, performances-wise as well. The, the, the script is the script is fantastic, as one should expect. It would be from Iannucci, but performances-wise, I think everyone everyone's great here. I'm gonna. Put, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say a career best turn from Jason Isaacs is the general oh, it was wonderful because he was very very funny. There's that line in the more. line in the clip that we played actually is probably one of my favourite lines in the film. He was superb. And what I find, I don't know, I found it an unusual film to start with because everyone's using colloquial accents and oh, none there's of no it's Russian. To, yeah, there's to no to attempt have to Russian, Russian accents. accents, which which kind of put me off a little bit at the beginning. It ta- it, it's a film that's got a very weird feel about it that takes a bit of getting used to. But I think when you realise that it ultimately doesn't matter I think that's great Geoffrey Tambor also superb uh, Jeffrey Tambor's good in pretty much everything to be honest I think
1: who else? Did you? I, I don't think this is included in the clip, but the, the scene where they're talking about uh, was he talking about you guys, me included, Jeffrey Tambor's character, and Jeffrey Tambor's yeah. character's <laughs> like, yeah. no, he said you guys, yeah, and like gesticulates great, yeah. how it's everyone except for him because the whole environment here is backbiting. That's all we've got. Like throughout, is everybody's looking to just save their own neck and throw somebody else under the proverbial bus, right? That's that's the power like play from every direction is like as long as i don't get killed i will step on your neck yeah. to get ahead yeah. and and that all seems yeah both like ridiculous uh, a little bit scary and and also just like Chimes so much, I think, with with the modern. Well, I don't want to like hammer that point, but I think, like I say, it's not a film that's been thrown out in any period of time. It's deliberately released in the, in the yeah. And
0: I also know. think it's you know, I I think it's doing quite well. I mean, this came out while I was on holiday, so I was worried. It's Got a bit of rep now, so I yeah. Think, so I was hence why I are a little bit late reviewing it. So I was a bit worried I may have missed it at the cinema. But certainly, the screening I went to um, at the weekend was was pretty much sold out, which, which was nice to see and I think part of that is it's quite nice to see um, without trying to sound patronising an, an adult comedy in the cinema if that makes sense like a comedy that treats you like a comedy that treats you like you're not stupid. I enjoy.
1: I enjoy silly comedies. Don't get me wrong. Well, it's um, not. It's not got any you know touch of of Judd Apatow, which like let's be honest, eighty percent of cinema release comedies. Yeah, are, if, are I think you see where a from it. I, so, and so I like, It felt, it a felt very. That, it
0: felt very different watching something like this on the big screen, and to see to see um, comedic satire on the big screen was. Was nice to be honest, and I think that might be why it it felt quite unusual watching it at the cinema. So it's nice to it, see that it's it, nice to see that it got. A cinema now that really. you
1: say that, Paul, I'm reminded of that movie with uh, Steve Coogan, Tristram Shandy. Oh, okay, Have you see that film? No, uh, yeah, th- that. maybe another one that fits into that. And
0: he of... was probably involved in that in some way. I think way he was. It, yeah, so, yeah, I
1: think I think he was. So d- definitely uh, to be recommended. I think Death of Stalin. Um, and yeah, long may its sort of success continue. Given that it's not going to go as wide as some uh, you know competing movies and we've got stuff like Thor Ragnarok and whatever which are obviously going to draw a lot more eyeballs right now but let's hope that the audiences keep showing up for Death of Stalin and that Iannucci gets you know the support to do whatever Yeah, he wants so to do was,
0: no it's a very 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 good film yeah, I'm right, I'm Michael Palin's in this yes Michael Palin's yeah again just an incredible cast so yes Michael Palin is in this and Paul Whitehouse again And not you know I've not seen him in anything probably since The Fast Show that I, that I genuinely enjoyed and again he's an incredible form in this so I think yeah I think I mean if Amanda Iannucci says do you want to work with me I imagine
1: actors go yes right so. and final point for me I think but um talking about like Paul Whitehouse is someone we know from the Far Show and someone who's very like much like a scene stealer because his work is predominantly like sketches where he is either the main attraction or sort of co-main event whereas here not only his um, performance but I think all of the the ensemble cast are very generous with allowing other people Mm. to get like their lines off and to get last there's no one here sort of chewing scenery or trying to dominate or no, trying to be the, actually, the main yeah. attraction so yeah. from that point of view it's very collaborative as much as there's all this backbiting in terms of the plotting the actual performances and the way these actors and actresses work mm. together i think is is yeah it's a lovely piece of work and uh, and people should check it out if if you know if you can catch it whilst it's still at cinema great if you can't i'm sure it'll be on a streaming service soon and, and don't miss out on that point. yeah
0: definitely check it out um, which nearly brings us to the end of the show, Pete, rather sadly, this week. Um,
1: get the book. Yes, I'm getting the book. <laughs> I've only actually got one hand at the moment, because I've we, got a plastic-casted right hand. Jack
0: said get the book then as well. Jack's very excited. <clears throat>
1: right, so I'm going to tell you, lads, uh, the number of pages in this book. Do you want someone else to flip through the book whose hand isn't it, in a cast? That'd be easy well, How many pages are there? Don't patronise me, Paul. I can manage. <laughs> OK, Ooh, almost exactly 1,000. There are 1,002 pages okay. in, in this book. So, uh, Paul, I think you said stop last time. So, Jack, I want you to pick a page between 1 and 1,000 and 2. If
0: it's the same film, that'd be amazing.
1: <laughs> so I've got to pick just a random number. Between, no, no, between one, 1 and 1,000. 1 and 1,000 and 2. Do you yeah. think we've made that clear? <laughs> 765. You look know like you're in E17 with that. <laughs> <laughs> just I mean. Sorry. I, uh, tell uh, me 765. 765, oh. Jack's gone for. Okay, with only one hand and terrible eyesight, I am definitely the man for this job. Seven sixty five. Yes. Okay, on seven sixty. Oh, I'm excited, what is it? Okay, lads, round the circle. Is have it Charles Playthrough. Have you seen seven? Yes. 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 Okay, yeah. we've got a new number. Paul, give us a new number. Uh three hundred and forty one. Three forty one, David Thompson. What did you write about on page three hundred and forty one? Fill the dead air, you guys. Fill 341. the dead air. Three hundred and forty one.
0: What's what could it, it be i mean i'm impressed I'm sevens in there i like seven a lot that was, was a quite cool.
1: a good for me build the drama no more because we have got (laughs) La Grande Illusion 1937. I've heard very good things, but I've never seen it, no. no, La Grande Illusion 1937 film is going to be our Have You Seen film of this week, and we will have a review as a collective trio uh, next time on the show. Right,
0: which leaves us before we go to say, find us on Strangers in a Cinema on Instagram or at Strangers Cinema on Twitter. Um, That's it from us this week. We'll be back next week with, I think, Feature of The Shining, because that's on at the cinema tomorrow night for Halloween. That's what we're doing for Halloween anyway. Could do The
1: Shining. But... Um, if there's any way on earth we can get Call Me By Your Name, we will, but I don't know if that's going to happen the next week. So, yeah, we'll, we'll promise films and we'll deliver gold. Uh, yeah, until then, I guess we can all uh, peace out on this episode. Yes, goodbye. Bye-bye. See ya. Shut up and sit down. <laughs>